Previously on Wild Endeavors, the Wayward Sons followed the path of the cultists straight to the lair of the Kraken Vlicklock Lore, the second herald of the King in Yellow. Battle was joined when the Kraken kidnapped Diggy and took her deep below the underground sea. The companions narrowly defeated the ancient being and hopefully closed the book on the King in Yellow's ties to Thorina. For a full synopsis of Season 1, please check out our recap episode. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Amy Josno as the Dwarven Barbarian, Thorina Thunderhelm. Take my hammer and swing it towards its head. Let's go. Adam Rogers as the gnome rogue, Malkin Kessel. If I see an opportunity to, like, kind of do my dodging and hiding and that kind of thing, I will do that. Nick Feely as the elven fighter Aramil Galadinel. Guys, I'm like the best fucking archer that's ever existed in the world. Evan Chamberlain as the human cleric Elemin Corster. He is at the warrior's respite. He is where Tempest would want him to be after he has fallen. We are servants of a god of war. Devin Salisbury as the Eladrin wizard Varys Leodon. I can just light this place on fire to make it harder for them to track us. If I could, I'll throw in some fire bolts in there too that make it look jazzy. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, the GM and producer of These Are Wild Endeavors. They're made-up creatures of Thomas's own imagination. They have an unlimited <laughs> amounts of right. anything he wants. And now, The Wayward Sons, Episode 22, Friends in Need. We open on the chamber of Licklock lore. The dome-shaped room is easily 2,000 feet across. The once smooth carved walls are now pocked with age, clumps of phosphorescent algae, and fissures. We pan over the bodies of vaguely humanoid fish people. Without the crack in the magic to animate them, the zombies have collapsed where they stood. We pan further over the broken and lifeless bodies of the paladins of the Armalucius, and then to the sprawled and massive heap that was Licklock lore. In the shadow of that two-story tall bulk, the five of you and Diggy stand in an air bubble the young Kraken has made. I would like to go loot the corpse. There you go. <laughs> Somebody write this. I'll assist and then also ask Diggy, are you the one keeping this water at that, that bay? Yes. yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Around the chamber, you find waterlogged, rusted, and otherwise age-damaged items. Lances, chariots, wardrobes, dining sets, and so much more. Among this junk, you find a number of various and sundry magic items. They stand out because they show no signs of age or damage. But it is a pair of kama that stand out to you. They are wrought from red steel. Gold highlights decorate the handles and kiss the almost crescent-like blades. They seem to shimmer with a faint golden light. As they are lifted from the case that held them, they hum like a chime that's been struck. 
and as if in response, Baharoth, Isurindil, and Fanroth resonate with the same hum. Say, this sounded familiar. I think we got another one, guys. They are, in fact, Mephael and Maybach, the Sabres of Harvest. They are one of the Crucius that you seek. Who doesn't have a Crucius yet? <laughs> who, who is it calling to? Does everybody have one? No, no everyone's supposed to have Varys one. Varys and Malkin do not have ones. You said Sabres? It, they're commas. I don't know what that means. It's like a, it's like a hand scythe. Oh, man, those are cool looking. Those are dope AF. I actually think we should put everything uh, in a pile and let Thorina take whatever she wants, and then we all just can take the rest. Why does she get the pick first? Because she's the one that's going to save everybody. (laughs) Oh, that explains a lot. I say, um, I am not going to take them. I take them. And I look at them, and I, like, put them together, and I give them to Malkin. I think these belong to you, Slayer. I would love whatever these are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say also, remember, that Elglarion offered to reforge any of the the Crucius that you found. So if you want to make them into something else, you can do that, or combine them with Thanrium. Does... Does uh, Aramil appear to be charmed, by the way? I'm in, I'm in meaning to ask this. How would you go about determining that? Well, I am a man of medicine, and I know about spells. <laughs> when I hear him say, hey, I think these have your name written on them, and he says to me, I think Thorina should pick first, because she's the one that's going to save us. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, okay. That doesn't click to me. <laughs> Are his eyes glazed over? Does he, like, I don't know to stare at Thorina constantly without looking away. Okay, so you're doing like a general sort of like service level physical exam. Uh, Okay, yeah, go ahead and roll for that. You know, at this moment, he seems okay. (laughs) Of course he does. Uh, I would like to ask Diggy if she would be able to hold this water back while we rested for maybe the night. Or is that too much? She thinks she can. Okay. Can you not do the thing? No, I cannot do either of the two cool things that I have. <laughs> she she said that she will keep the the field up and will keep watch while you rest. Okay. After you rest, what would you like to do? Where do we want to go, guys? I think we need to find more of the Crucius before we fight the Gesh. I can take us back to the airship. Yeah, I was going to say, do we need to be down here anymore? Everyone be on the lookout for the judge's tricks. Good call. Yeah, that was actually a good call. (laughs) It's not Serena. So when you teleport back up to the ship, when you pop into existence on the, the deck of the Dawn Rose, the crew immediately, like, they all turn and, like, they jump and somebody lets out, like, a yelp. And everyone looks very, very nervous. What's what's wrong? We've never done this before. <laughs> There's that. Um, one of the one of the crew pushes like his buddy forward, and and he starts to talk. And it's like, uh, good, uh, good, good, good to see you, sirs. Uh, we weren't we weren't expecting you. Um, can how um, how are you, how are you doing? Gives you like kind of a like a measuring gaze. Something wrong? 
So you remember the last time you showed up at the ship after being gone for quite a while, started killing people. Ah, uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> How long are we gone? Uh, um, ab- about two weeks, sir. We're fine. At ease, everybody. Give me a group perception check. You guys are perceptive as hell. You notice that one of the crew in particular looks very uncomfortable, like very worried. And you remember that that was one of the new recruits that you brought in near Sinashur. And Aramel, you remember like making a mental note of this person being like very on edge when they first joined and very kind of anxious. And they look doubly so now. And then the crew leads you to like your, your, your cabin is, is open and ready for you. Uh, is there anything we can bring to you? Uh, the captain, please. Very good, sir. They kind of, you know, direct you to the, the the cabin, and then we'll like we'll bring we'll bring the captain directly. So I don't want to s- do this too quickly, but I also do want to do it kind of quickly. So over the next couple of days, Aramil, as you're reading that book again, like you've just been, you were saying, like you kind of are just studying it when you have the chance you find that there's a new chapter in the book. And in this new chapter, it details how Elief is ambushed by a group of druid assassins near Kaer Westrun. They then use Elief's carriage and livery to infiltrate the King of Cups court and to steal a pair of gauntlets from him. It is widely said, in part because of the King of Cups likes to tell people, that the gauntlets date all the way back to the champions and that he has them because he is of the blood of Mandarb, who was one of the champions. This attack, based on what the the book says, is not going to happen for a month. But it will, by airship, it's going to happen about seven days away from where you are. Okay. At another point, a chinchilla squeezes its way under the door while all five of you are in the cabin. It stands on its hind legs, sniffing the air, and then looks at each of you in turn, and then runs to the middle of the room, sits back on its haunches, and then leans back until it's upright like it's bipedal. And it opens its little mouth, and Algirion's voice comes booming out at you. May the sun shine on our reunion. My deepest apologies, I could not be there myself. When I could not reach you, I thought it more prudent to send some of my little helpers. <clears throat> Quick reminder, Glarion is one of the legendary champions. He is the one who told you about the Eternal Watch, the, the Gash, and their combined plan to keep the people of Arya trapped. He's also the person who, all those thousands of years ago, created the Crucius that you are now searching for to help you deal with the Gash. Where have you been? I feel like I just... This is deja vu. (laughs) Uh, Aglarion, it's good to hear from you. Can he see through this chinchilla? I can see you. Malkin, show him what you got. (laughs) My goodness, those were some sick moves. (laughs) though i know it is part of your quest it is still strange to me to see the crucius out in the world again but it appears that maybeck and mephiel are well suited for you malkin question for you real quick did you make a pair of gauntlets as well i did 
In fact, the sabers of harvest you have just found were made for Bialabog, Blood Fury. It was for his twin sister, Chianabog, that I crafted Nialta Fola, the ambition of dying stars. We got word that there might be a Crucius nearby. We should go after him, a pair of gauntlets that date back to the War of the Champions. Got word from where? Uh, book. No, you've, I think you've told him of the book, right? Maybe? Uh, yeah, no, you told him of the book because he he said that there was a book with <laughs> like an anchor for whatever was trying to contact Aramid. Ah. Well, the book has not proven to be wrong yet. It makes sense that you would learn of this so shortly after awakening another of the Crucius. They are meant to work in concert. They call to each other. There is, okay. however, something else that you should know. In your in your absence, Centarius has fallen to the glutton. Oh shit. It appears they did not use the life song as they did in Arthamor. So much of the city still stands, but the city center is lost, and it is too dangerous to live near the glutton growth. So the city has been abandoned. The Shining Four shared what their investigation has found so far with me. Worse still, it seems that glass orbs of the glutton were carried to various places in the city and then thrown or otherwise broken to release the substance. They were carried by children. At least 30 children carried those orbs into the city and then killed it. What is worse, these children were immune to the glutton. I saw memories where several children threw the orbs at their feet and the vines fell across the children and moved on and the children walked away. That scientist that was experimenting on the glutton, he did it on his daughter. Do you think... It wasn't his daughter. That was a curse that he brought upon her. But he made it a child. Could they have done it with other children? Could have. I suppose it is possible. It means, nonetheless, that it will be that much harder to protect ourselves from another glutton attack. Our time is running out. Jeez. Where was Centaurat? Centaurus is directly south of Praham. It's in that little, it's that little neck area right between. It's basically it's, it's in between Praham and the Bansa region. Oh, well, I guess we can't go there now. <laughs> you can. You just can't go there by land. Is there any other connection between Arthmore and the city? Only that it was considered to be one of the gems of the Primarchy. Same thing with Arthmore. Exactly. Is somebody trying to be bringing down the Primarchy then? I believe so. What are the other gems of the Primarchy? I probably would know, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) After that, Xanathar, Barathus, and then Praham are kind of like the next, like the biggest. Has somebody reached out to Cadesis Augustalis to warn her of what might be happening to her cities? She knows. The the Shining Force are are basically her her legion, and they are the ones that have been investigated. Mm Mm-hmm. But they use children. They were immune. That's a first. Unless they were the race that we encountered down there. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's what Devin was saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. So I think at that point, like, El Glarion leaves you and just like he says, just like, let him know what what your your next move is. Let him know if you need him to, you know, forge or reforge any of the Crucius. Also during this time, you return to Bright Moon to inform the Armalucius of the fate of Asiliat and the other paladins. While there, Wendell has their own report for you. 
you had asked Wendell to look into a secretive group known as the Hearts of Agony. The group was supposedly made up of paladins who had dedicated themselves to hiding the Crucius. Wendell says they were unable to find anything of use. There are some bits and pieces that seem to indicate certain paladins who had allied themselves with ancient powerful beings to help guard certain things. It's a bit of a stretch to connect that to the Hearts and the Crucius, but that was the best lead that Wendell could find. The archives show that there should have been a few more books that might have provided additional context, but they were lost in a mysterious fire that killed one of the archivists. Even more mysterious, the fire broke out the same day Wendell started to ask about the Hearts. Malkin... One of the nights, one of the first nights after returning to the ship, you have a dream. You see a great expanse of vibrant teal grasses spreading out under a sky locked between twilight purples and dawn oranges. As you scan the area, you see a pair of oaks nearby. They are massive, and dozens of bodies hang from them. They flank a path that leads to a bridge on which you are standing. You don't turn to look, but you know that behind you is the Tower of the Plucked Eye. You look down and see a long, lean torso, lithe, muscular legs in strange pants stretched down to the glass-like cobblestones of the bridge. They are not your legs. It's not your torso. But you are looking down at them as if they were. It's also not your stomach, but you can't help feel a little bit of panic at the dagger that is buried into it. A pair of feminine hands reach for the dagger and pull it out. Your vision lurches, but you don't sense any movement, and the legs that are not yours buckle, and the body that is not yours drops to a kneeling position. When you look up, you see a body that does look like yours. The you that is not you, but looks like you, is dressed in robes that would look more natural on an ancient fey race. That you moves forward and takes the dagger, and then your vision swings again without any physical sense of movement, as the body that is not yours is flung backward onto the ground. You are looking up into the orange-purple sky as the dagger appears again, now driving toward your right eye. Everything goes a little blurry and a little red, and then clears. You see the face that looks like yours growing larger and larger as you move closer. Everything goes blurry again, and your point of view spins. And then you are looking down on the former champion of the Tower of the Plucked Eye, the one that you defeated to become the new champion. The eye socket where she placed your eye is now empty and bleeding and she is saying something that you can't quite hear. She then points across the bridge towards the, toward the stormlands, and your vision bobs as if you were nodding, and then everything fades to black. Varys, uh, as you find a moment of calm, finally, I'm guessing that what you learned under the Temple of Dazkarash comes floating back to the surface of your mind. The options that you learned you had for the future of Thea. What's Varys's process in trying to 
work through that right now. He's always been very center-focused on just the quickest, easiest way to get her back without thinking of any like repercussions until now. Realizing what he was going to do about like basically killing another version of her from another place or that's what other Ferris's are doing um, realizing that I guess that's how he lost her to begin with mm-hmm. he wants to break that cycle and so he's trying to figure out how and the, poss- the, 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 the option that keeps floating in his mind is the pairing option mm-hmm. and he's trying to kind of wrap his head around that I think Okay. Do you think that he's like on the verge of wanting to go ahead with that, or like what kind of hold up is he having? Uh, he's probably unclear, I and mean, me as a player is unclear. <laughs> um, um, if he remembers correctly, he was missing one of the fragments of Thea still, but then he wasn't sure if that was just he was waiting to get another version of her from another reality, or if there's still fragments out there, what he needed to do from that point. So there is still a potential for him to find that, that third piece. Okay. It will be the, the hardest one to find like in its original state. Cause that is the piece that would have gotten like sucked into the void, which is the reason that the, the priests in that temple were trying to find a way to like bypass that step in bringing people back. And okay. so that's the, the reincarnate, reincarnation process they came up with doesn't require that piece of, you know, the the soul or the life essence of a person that kind of takes the place of it, but you also know that now that might piss off death. Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely probably toying with wanting to join with, rather than kill more, you mm-hmm. know, a, another one elsewhere. He's just, a, I think he's probably he's, he's probably arguing with whether or not she would accept that. Sure. So, so it sounds like he's maybe not quite ready yet to. Yeah, he. Hmm. I don't know if he would do it right away, but I think he. I think he's going to do it. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Just like I said, just uh, whenever whenever you think it's right for for him. And so then we get the last of this kind of series of downtime scenes. In the couple days resting back aboard the Dawn Rose, you also get an astral projection from Mikhail Savayer. He is the seeker that you rescued from the prison mine during the siege of Valorhold. And when you told the Cerulean Sons about the Eternal Watch and the Gash, Mikhail was the only one on council who supported you and gave you the chance to go gather information to prove that all of this was happening. He appears in the cabin made of translucent, wavy blue light. Uh, This is also the way that Raphael spoke to you in the Feywild uh, just before he died. Mikhail is a very square human man. His beard and hair are immaculately groomed salt and pepper. He is a very cut-and-dried kind of guy. And he says, I've been trying to reach you for days. Everything okay? Well, uh, everything is okay. I believe. I am in Balmayor. They requested an arbiter to settle the conflict between the ogre clans and the centaurs. Mm. 
Normally I would not have gone, but I have been scrying the places you showed us on Dakin's map, and there is something strange in Malmayor. Something is causing strange happenings. Just this winter, something drew forth and made it possible for an ancient evil to find new life. Luckily, a group of adventurers passing through killed it and saved the children. But in my studies in the Arcanum, I have learned that only something of great power could have summoned that being. Mm. So I so I came, and I have found something. I believe it might be... And then the sound of splintering wood interrupts. <laughs> and Mikhail turns. What is this? And you see the face of Chiron briefly over Mikhail's shoulder before the spell ends. Oh, shit. I uh, immediately want to scry on him. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you find that you are un- unable to. That's not good. Oh, fuck. I could try to get us to him, but it would be risky. How far away is Mamayor? On an airship, you could get there in about six days. How, um... Have we been there before? You have. That's where you met Raphael and got kind of your first real lead on the Eternal Watch. I just teleport right. there. I think we have to go after the Crucius. Like, it goes back to focusing on the bigger picture versus fights that won't necessarily matter if we can't solve the bigger picture. Don't we have like a month until Iliaf is attacked? That guy whose name I definitely remember is probably being attacked now. It might not be big picture exactly, but I don't think we can leave our friend in danger. I think we need to go to Malmoyor first. If we have a month before this attack. Okay. We could... Malmoyor then Gunwalks. Do we want the airship to head with us there? Or do we mm-hmm. want to head there with the airship, or do we want to send the airship elsewhere? Oh yeah, I guess we could just teleport back here if we needed to. I could teleport us there now um, to Malmoyor, but I don't know where where our friend was being attacked. We'll have to find him quick. Yeah, let's do that. Does he respond if I message him? He does not. Okay, I think we should go. Malmoyor. Sure. And then we'll head back to the airship and head to the supposed attack point against... For Elias. Yeah. yeah. The airship er, can move when you're not on board. That's true. Yeah. So um, send it to them. And, and uh, Element, if you want to, why don't you send a message to Ilias about mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I was going to warn him. See if he can maybe come up with a, uh, like a ruse to uh, fool these attackers so we can you know, get the yeah. upper hand on them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message Ilias and warn him, let him know what's going on, but also we're here for him and we'll be there when it happens. I think he sends back a message. He's a little bit confused, but he said that we will keep our guard high and I will await you to hear further from you. Okay, so as you are getting ready to set out, Captain Atherton Wing and Agro meet with you to go over the plan. Uh, Wing uh-huh. is a, thir- uh, a thin, stern-faced fellow, tightly cropped brown hair, impeccable you know, cerulean sun uniform uh, so we shall move the don rose toward kaya western 
When you finish in Malmayor, you will teleport back to the ship, and we'll be in position to save this Eliaf. Is is that correct? That is correct, Commander. Is there anything that we should do if we, when we arrive at Kyra Western? Probably don't draw attention to yourselves. Very good. Yeah. If we'll, you can, try to make contact with Delia and let him know where you are if we're not back by then. Excellent. Agro, he's a smaller human, maybe about five foot four or so. He, his beard and long hair is moderately well-kempt. Uh, his uniform seems to be a bit itchy on him, like he doesn't like wearing that much clothing. Um, the shirt is undone almost to his navel, giving everyone a peek of his very chiseled and framed uh, torso, as well as the plethora of scars on him. Uh, and he says, you, you guys need backup? Uh, my hammer is always yours. Uh, I much appreciate the help, but I, I would much rather you be here. He nods. I understand. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to do before Varys teleports you to Malmayor? I would like to, um, just whenever we're, you know, got a, a spare time, mm-hmm. ask Varys if I could see the arm that is missing the hand. Um, may I ask why? Yeah, I just want to make sure everything's all healed up, making sure you're okay and all that. I, I still very, feel very bad for having to cut that off. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I mean, you mentioned the possibility of growing it back. Is that kind of out the window? No, not at all. I can just do it. I mean, I'm kind of skeptical, but I'm curious. Go. Uh, so <laughs> when he hands the stump to me, uh, I'm going to cast Regeneration. Okay. What does that look like? Either one of you. So when I do it, it's it's more or less uh, just touching the, the stump, and uh, you just see this, this golden glow from my hand and from my uh, holy symbol. And um, I imagine it probably doesn't feel very good to regrow a hand, though. I imagine it, it itches a little bit. <laughs> itches, yeah. Oh, not for him. Uh, I was going to say it's very pale, but I forgot not for him. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Comes back, then it's black because his skin is black. Like, yeah, with little uh, sparkles of starlight. Yeah. The starlight isn't there immediately, but then it comes back. Yeah. yeah. My arm vis- visibly looks like an arm like that you sleep on for too long. <laughs> yeah. And it tingles a lot. That's, that's the visual representation. That's okay. A, a really good visual representation of that, actually. I like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Varus has his hand back. Holy hey. crap. <laughs> What's it like to have a character with all his limbs? Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything else before you all want to go? Nope. Okay. So, Varys, go ahead and roll your teleportation for us. Yeah, so you'll be right on target. Um, and you were in Malmayor not that long ago. So you're you're familiar enough with the city that it's not a problem. What did we do in Melmayor the first time? Sure. This was right after you had found out about the Eternal Watch from Elglirion. So as you were traveling around for the Cerulean Sons, you were also asking about the Eternal Watch. When you asked in Malmayor, 
a blacksmith took you into a back room, and that is where you met Raphael. And laid out on the table in that room were all the people you had asked previously about the Eternal Watch. Raphael said, I killed them because you asked them about us. Stop asking. I almost, yeah, we almost got into a big fight. That's all we did in the city, though? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, all right. Melmayor is also the place where Raphael, as he was dying, said to said that you should go and find some some items that he left for you. All right, so the blue magic of uh, Varus's teleportation swirls around you, and then smoke billows across the hill that you are standing on. Beside you on the hill is a statue of a man in a glorious ball gown, standing guard over a small cluster of children. The figure looks down on Malmayor and watches as the village burns. Rather than a traditional village, Malmayor is more of a loose confederation of clusters of buildings. Most of them are situated near one of the two major trade roads that crosses here. Many of the buildings in the village are clearly temporary structures. Uh, travelers setting up for a couple of weeks, uh, hoping to, to rest, to recuperate, or to take advantage of the trade traffic coming through the crossroads. Some of the buildings are of the more semi-permanent variety, even though among them there are many structures that's clear have been there for decades. This place definitely has a early days of a boomtown kind of vibe to it. Most of one of the blocks near the main street is on fire, and there are stripes of flames that spiral out from it, catching some of the other buildings, stretching out like the legs of a starfish. But the vast majority of the city is not on fire yet. Assuming that you are going to head down toward the city, uh, when you get down to street level, you see people are running around panicked. Uh, the fire is beginning to spread to more buildings. There are people that are trapped in buildings and screaming for help. A few figures dart about, trying not to be noticed, as they carry burning logs from one building to another, or knocking over a cart so it blocks a door to a building with people inside. Uh, you see one even summon some vines and pulls an old dwarf off the street into a burning building. So aside from a few consequences of your actions, I'm not going to describe any more of the scene to you. Uh, basically, when it comes to you, you're going to decide what is kind of happening around you and what you're doing. So that could be anything from, like, grabbing a ladder to help people out of the, you know, uh, the upper floor of a building, or you grab a halfling child off the street and get it to safety. Uh, basically, I kind of want you to set little scenes within this burning city and kind of how you're trying to help. And then we'll we'll figure out what skill that is and roll from there. I will take care of the the city on fire. Okay, that's cool. Work good buddy. I like fighting. All right. I act like I'm not even listening. Like I didn't even hear him. <laughs> I want to find uh, a douchebag Eternal Watch guy with a carrying a burning log and shoot him in the leg and like take him down. Like if like if he's running to a building that's not on fire, like. Right. Knock him up, knock him down before he gets there. Oh, that's a success. He topples over. the The burning log doesn't get to the next building, but it looks like he is going to try to get up and come after you. Am I close to the guy that took the dwarf into the building? You can be. So I'm going to run up behind him and just like try to smack the crap out of him, like the back of the head. Okay. 
your hammer smashes into the druid's back. The vines go limp, and the dwarf drops to the ground, then scrabbles away, coughing and wheezing in the smoke. The druid then turns to face you and looks ready for a fight. I want to get to a position of where I'm hidden, and I'm going to begin to cast Control Weapon. Okay. Okay. And I am going to basically create the heaviest ring that can fall. I like that a lot. So since it's not an instantaneous spell, we'll say if you want to continue to kind of work on that as we go along here, successes will help you cast it more quickly. And then as it starts to ramp up, it'll start to affect this scene. It covers a five mile radius. Okay. All right. As your magics begin to swirl around you, the wind begins to pick up and the sky begins to darken. The smell of rain grows heavy in the air. I'm going to go to the nearest building that looks like there's people trapped in it. I'm going to, with my shield, I'm just going to basically just full charge into it and break the door down. Okay. I'm going to find a halfling family that's all crouched underneath their very small table that are scared. And I'll take the table and I'll flip it over. I'll just be like, come on, we got to go. We got to move. And I'm going to try to usher them out of the building. Great. I love that. So you are able yeah. to get that halfling family out of the building. Okay, cool. You have saved some people. This isn't going to be, like, immediately useful, but I like to think of Malkin doing this. But, like, rushing over to a well and, like, filling up buckets of water and just tossing the water into, like, a burning storefront or something. I mean, I would be maybe hoping that other people would see me doing that and at least help with that one building. Okay. Brian. Okay, so yeah, if, so if you're trying to lead by example, I would say you could do a persuasion check. So I just shout something like, The well! Like, pretty obvious. Okay, yeah. And so some other people come over and yeah. they grab some buckets and other containers, and after a little bit, you have got like a little bucket brigade going from the well to that one particular building. And it, um, it's not immediate, but like after a little bit, you could definitely start seeing the difference that the, you know, the fire is starting to come down. And um, you've started the process of like, if you're trying to organize people, that'll be a little bit easier for you at this point. So, all right. So, congratulations. You saved one building in a city that's burning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but because there was not a concerted effort to. Uh, organize the people who are panicked. That has gotten a little bit worse, but you've got two successes in stopping the the buildings from burning or spreading to new buildings to burn, and a success in in freeing people who are trapped in burning buildings. And you're in the process of two successes for stopping Eternal Watch people. So, so we'll go back to the top with Aramil. The guy that you shot in the leg is standing back up. And it looks like he's starting to cast something in your direction. I'll just try to finish him off. That'll hit. That will take care of that guy. All right. I, if he's like, say I hit him in the knee the first time, I want to hit him in the other knee so that he just like can't walk. Okay. So you just like leave him like squirming on the ground? Yeah. Or? How about the, the burning log falls on top of him? Oh, I like he that. like falls down. Yeah. Uh, so 
the guy that I'm fighting with? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you would come up behind him and hit him with your hammer, almost knocked him completely over. He's staggered and is starting to come around like he's going to engage you in combat, but he looks like uh, someone named Skullcrusher just hit him in the fucking head. So. All right. Well, then I'm going to swing the hammer around on from the other side and hit him in the face this way. Uh, so that will take him out. Uh, what does that look like? So he's probably, like, staggering a little bit with the whole, like, just got the shit knocked out of the back of his head. And probably turns to, like, Wah! and I'm just take the hammer and swing it down, like, where the neck meets the shoulder. And it just cracks. And... Nice. Um, Elemen, you are up. The halfling family is running to safety away from you. I'd like to go near a well, and I'm going to channel my inner waterbender, and I'm going to cast Control Water. Okay. And I'm going to go to to another house that's on fire, and I'm going to take as much water out of that well. I can control up to a 100-foot cube of water, so whatever that can fill up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to wave it around with my hands, do some things, and push it into, like, a window. And then when I see uh, uh, steam and smoke inevitably... A douse that fire. I want to charge in and see if there's anybody that needs help. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So the wa- this stream of water coming up out of the well, you send it like crashing into the windows of one of the burning buildings nearby. And as that begins to clear, you can see that like the the inside of the building is no longer burning. The outside has kind of calmed down as well because like the lower areas where the, the water was hitting has been doused out and then we'll have to wait till next time around to, if you want to charge in there but you have uh, definitely put a, a dent in the burning of, of Malmayor. Nice. Once that group kind of got going with the buckets and everything mm-hmm. can I move down like keep going down the street and try to find like the next well and try to get more another round of people organized? Absolutely. So again, I like this is so this time it's more about organizing people, or you just want to move like to the next building that needs help. I mean, I don't want to organize the people to get okay. them focused on a task instead of freaking out. Yeah. So you've got a little bit of momentum in terms of like some people saw you organizing that one bucket brigade. So when you come up to them to like you know try to get the next group going, you have a little bit of, of an advantage there. What are you saying to them, or like what what specifically are you doing when you get to that well? Probably, like, I'll, I'll point back at what's happening behind me and say, like, it's working, it's working. I like it. Uh, go ahead and roll. All right. Yeah, so a bunch of people who, again, saw what you were doing with the last uh, well and building come rushing up and start grabbing buckets. Another bucket brigade gets going, and you have uh, definitely diminished the number of people who are just running around making things worse by panicking. All right. Okay, you now have one success in rescuing people trapped in burning buildings. You have three successes in stopping the buildings from burning, or the fire spreading to new buildings. One success in organizing people uh, to keep them from being panicked. You have one failure in keeping people from being panicked. And you now have two successes in stopping the Eternal Watch from making things worse. So, we are back at the top with Aramil. Alright, I will try to find someone who's in the second floor 
of a building who's mm-hmm. calling for help and try to do like some sweet kicks and flips to try to get like dive through a second story window to okay. save them. Yeah, I think that you can find like a like a look uh, like a little alleyway between buildings. You can like hop between them and like just shoot through one of the yeah, uh, like parkour parkour my way up there. Mm-hmm. And so then once you're up there with them, what's your your plan to get them down? Hmm. You never think about that part, do you? <laughs> get up there. Um, I would guess it, let's say it's a child, and I'll have them like I'll give them like a piggyback ride. Oh, great! As I like yeah. climb, as I like kind of try and kind of try to like climb back down. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, it looks super sweet as you parkour up and through the window. Grab the little kid, pull him on your back, hop back down, and maybe just kind of just like like maybe just like like you have a dagger, like stick it in the side of the wall and like slide down on that. And then... <laughs> yes. And then I wink at him and say, everybody gets one. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Varys, what does it look like when this storm breaks and the rain starts to fall? You know, it's that kind of slow one drop and then a few more drops, and then it just downpour as hard as it could, like then you would think. And just, you... I would say in focus, like, on all of the, the buildings, like, you kind of see, like, the fires kind of dwindle I mean, almost immediately just because of the sudden rush of the, the water coming in. Absolutely. While this doesn't immediately extinguish the fires, they are shrinking and disappearing. The rain will essentially account for the remaining successes you all needed to deal with that part of the challenge. I don't know if I'm, like, I completed it, if I would then walk, I guess, closer to, I guess, wherever anybody is, and I would just be like, man, it's a good thing that the rain did seem like. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I think it's a centaur, and he's like, oh, yeah, great, right? Man, let's, let's get the help him. <laughs> I imagine there might be an Eternal Watch trying to do something about the rain coming or something to, like, keep the a burning building going instead of putting that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I would see that person and then run up behind them and try to stop them with my hammer. <laughs> so that hits and that stops them from trying to keep this house burning in spite of the rain. And it looks like she is going to turn around and try to fight you next time around. Come at me. Element, you yeah. just doused out the fire in that one building. The rain is starting to fall. You okay. said you wanted to rush into the building. Do you still want to do that? No, that one. If that one's not on fire anymore, I'll go into another one that is on fire. And uh, same thing, uh, bull rush into the door and see if there's anybody in the door or see if there's anybody in the home. When you hit the door with your shield, you kind of rebound. It seems like there's something that maybe has fallen behind the door that is kind of like, almost like uh, barricading it from the other side, keeping you from just plowing through like you did before. Okay. Okay, so those two groups are saving the world. I, like, look across the way, and I see one of the Eternal Watch people. They are trying to, like, light something else on fire, maybe, like, some brush next to a building that maybe will 
set it ablaze more. Mm-hmm. And then I would like to run over and uh, stab them. Ooh, natural 20. Nice. I love when you crit a sneak attack. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. That's the sound. <laughs> Alright, so that attack will kill that particular <laughs> oh. person. What? I, like, go to, like, take another swing with my other one for my other attack, but he, like, falls to the ground and I whip. <laughs> okay. okay. I like that. I like that. Um, and, uh, if I can, maybe instead of an attack, like a bonus action, maybe, like, try to put the fire out that he just kind of started. If that's possible. Um, you stopped them from, from starting a fire Okay. There, so... Yeah, the, the like the stopping the eternal watch will it helps the overall situation. I look around then to see if anybody else saw that. What what just happened? Oh yeah, there's a yeah there's a small um, group huddled near one of the buildings that aren't burning. They're just they were like just terrified of what was going on, and then they saw you do that, and they're just like their eyes are wide with awe and admiration, and they're definitely yeah. gonna want your autograph like after you know all this. <laughs> That's the last thing he needs. It'll swallow his head. Nice. <laughs> if I can, I'm going to try to cast like a thaumaturgy. Mm-hmm. And um, like in a booming voice, yell out to everybody and say, the Ceruleans are here to help. Please make your way calmly and efficiently out of the, you know, out of the city or, mm-hmm. you know, help in any relief you can. Yeah, so the people definitely start calming down at that, and kind of just, like they're just realizing that they're not on their own. Like all the crazy stuff that's going on, there there is somebody there to help. Um, a few of the people start getting like they're you know they start ordering up a little bit more, like moving out of the area, getting out of the way of people who are you know carrying buckets of water, things like that, just making it easier for the situation to be managed in the area. After I kind of run into the door and I'm just kind of like, oh god, that that hurt. I'm just going to, like, do the thing where it's, like, slow motion. Like, I hear people, you know, uh, yelling, crying, and I look around and I see a lot of hurt people. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Hang on. Center yourself. And I'm going to grab my holy symbol, say a quick prayer, and I'm going to say, heal these people. And I'm just going to watch as the radiant energy flows out and uh, touches each one of them. I'm going to heal as many people as possible with a mass cure wound. Absolutely. What's the range on that? 30 feet. Yeah, that's a pretty good number of people. And you all are pretty close, so I'm not going to make you roll for that. And so with that, as the five of you scan for where you can help next, you see that your collective efforts have helped to avoid a deadly and devastating outcome. You have saved people, contained and then extinguished the fires, helped avoid an all-out panic, and drove off the Eternal Watch, who appear to have started all this. We still get a few little scenes of the final moments of this disaster. A gnomish woman heaves a bucket of water to extinguish the last flames in a shop. Uh, She wipes the sweat from her dark brow and sighs with relief. A centaur lifts a fallen beam, and some other townfolk move in to help an old human couple from underneath. The people of Malmayor have brought forth bandages and minor healing magics to begin to tend to the wounded. 
a little dwarven child hugs a surprisingly tolerant, soaking wet cat. The child's auburn face split with the kind of grin only a beloved pet can bring. Amid all this, we also see people in elegant, woodland-type armor begin to appear and help. We actually see a few of them as they walk forward from shining portals, arriving from somewhere distant. Though they are heavily armed compared to the folk of Malmayor, this paramilitary group appears only interested in helping. And though their help is readily accepted, word spreads fast in small towns like these, and it is quickly known that if it weren't for the wayward sons, these other helpers would have come far too late to do much good. With the immediate threat passed, we see the five of you set out into the town to search for Mikhail, hoping that it's not too late to save your friend. the thing you were referencing in Melmayor, the other group of adventurers that came through? That was the, the Christmas game. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I knew that I recognized <laughs> the name of the place, but okay. That was, yeah, that was Winter's Light. That was, uh, yeah. that was Frosty. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So that now that's yeah, even better. Yeah. Now that you guys are going back to Melmayor, there's, there's definitely gonna be a statue for you guys to see. <laughs> That is great. You also find a a thick tome known as the Fiasco Codex. I'll take that. Is that it, thick with two Ks? Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> two Cs, I believe. Uh, I was say, it's actually two Cs, not two Ks. <laughs> yeah. but... Adam um, doesn't so... want those because they have too many abilities that he has to remember to use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he'll email it to me and then I'll lose it and then I'll be looking it up in the app like in the middle of the time that I remember I have them. <laughs> you guys need backup? Uh, my hammer is always yours. Uh, I much appreciate the help, but I, I would much rather you be here. I don't know. I do like to see how men can swing their hammers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what arena right i need you to come with us <laughs> if i could see the arm that is missing the hand that's code word for penis <laughs> i heard it looks like a baby's arm <laughs> i don't know what to say about that <laughs> What's Nick? Sorry, I'm watching a baseball game. Okay. <laughs> I was like, are you you're cheering the village on fire? Is that <laughs> okay. 
Or shame. <laughs> I like it. Uh, go ahead and roll. Or just, you know, drop the call. Wow. Everybody's dying at certain time. times tonight. <laughs> Three people have died already. That was his turning point. Malcolm fell down the well and drowned, and we just don't know what happened. <laughs> That's a 24 total. <laughs> Ran up. Is that the cat? It's the cat climbing up, Jess. I love you. Because I'm Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the cat likes to climb onto my shoulder, which is uh-huh. fine because there's room for her. But then when Jess picks her up, she tries to climb on Jess's shoulder and there's not room for the cat on Jess's shoulder. So it just, it's, it's bad for everybody. Sorry, hold on. I'm looking up something. You can edit that out. <laughs> now we'll wait. The audience will know. The people need to know. Where? I, okay, so this is going to be an awful question that I shouldn't ask. Uh, where, where am I from? You're from Sinashore. Sinashore. Okay. All right, so Varus has his hand back. Holy hey. crap. <laughs> What's it like to have a character with all his limbs? So, yeah. so Alamed gave Varus a great hand job. So. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I was waiting. <laughs> I, I, I literally don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, I... I think we're done. I think that's it for the yep. <laughs> the campaign. And on a high note, uh, congratulations! Guys. I mean, my my you know backstory goals they're complete now. We're good. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> that was weird the whole time. Just-